This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. I am so glad that you've taken your time to join us today. And our gift to you is we hope we tell you something new or give you something to talk about with other people. Hey, we are talking with a four-time company founder, and we are actually catching him at a really exciting place with his new company, um, Ziba Technologies. So it is my absolute pleasure to introduce you to the founding CEO, Masood Alabash. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Allison. It's a pleasure to be with you. I know you're just such a bundle of energy, and we're actually speaking to you today. Uh, you're in Las Vegas, which isn't your home, but you were there uh, doing a keynote presentation and, and talking about um, building software for the age of AI, and that's a little bit what we're going to talk about today. So can you give our listeners just a little hint into the delightful things you're working on today? Well, that's correct. That's you caught me at a great moment. I, as, as you mentioned, I'm uh, pumped up because I just gave a talk at, um, at the computer science, computer engineering uh, conference here in Vegas uh, on a paper that uh, was just published by IEEE on this new uh, concept of uh, building software for the AI age. And, uh, and it's uh, interesting because I'm looking at uh, your uh, picture there behind there is a pillow that has the appropriate word in front of me says disruptive. This is one of the most disruptive technologies that uh, um, is going to complement AI in a way that hasn't been anticipated before. Um, and I can delve into that more if you like, um, um, but we can uh, take, take it to any direction you'd like. Yeah, no, I, I am interested in this, this piece about you know, let's just talk about it on a high level concept. Usually on this program, we like to do deep dives on how you build your business. But I really love hanging with futurists, hanging with people who are seeing things uniquely in, an, in a different way. And, you know, I know we've talked about, you know, this problem of this wave of AI that is that is coming. And those of us that have been talking in this space, you know, we've been seeing it come for a while. And now it's kind of here and most most businesses and most enterprise enterprises aren't ready for it. So I loved how you were talking about it's not about building software under the hood. It's it's about building software above the hood, so to speak. So just give us a little bit more well, on yeah. what you're talking about. Okay, so uh, so far, everything that you see about AI, all the buzz about AI, which is wonderful, it's amazing. People already have experienced a lot of amazement. They're all almost kind of getting used to it as well. 
but all that is superficial in a sense mm -hmm. compared to what's about to come. And it's superficial because the way AI is being used right now, mostly the chat GBT uh, type of AI, which is referred to as the large language model. And there are these amazing, monstrous, magical word calculators, basically. I mean, the input is words, the output is words. I mean, I calculated the input is numbers, and the output is numbers. But they do magical stuff. And everything we're doing with that, with these tools are superficial, really, in a way, not that in terms of their value, but in terms of the potential of the technology itself, what mm -hmm. it can really do. And uh, the, the, every CEO of every company is asking the question, how do we bring this technology in and really apply it to a lot of our problems? Now, some have already done this. I uh, was reading about the and I think actually uh, it was one of your podcasts that one of the CEOs in India um, basically had his engineer develop a uh, model to answer the frequently asked questions in two days, and they got rid of 90% of his uh, folks, which is really a tremendous uh, uh, in terms of the amount, the speed, and what, and, and the quality that you're, you're going to get as an output. But that's not really core to what they do. So this is basically one function. They're responding to users. And these are all really um, low-hanging fruits for these large language models. The real value of this kind of intelligence is that when it's coming inside the corporation, if you imagine these shiny buildings, if you drive through uh, every major Western city, these beautiful, shiny buildings with 50 floors, 100 floors. They're full of professional, intelligent experts in their own fields, financial experts, loan processors, all sorts of people with great expertise. And they're sitting behind these computers that are, were designed, actually the, the model of the computational uh, software that they use, that model actually goes all the way back to the 1960s. What we did back then is we took physical forms and physical processes as computer engineers and stuck them on the screens. And that actually improved the whole process tremendously. This is how we got here. We moved away from paper, pro paper processes to electronic exchange of information, but the same information with the same model. We had that idea based on the forms that we had come up with on paper and we just stuck them on the computers. And that's been what we've been living through since it was first invented. Now, we've had a couple of uh, major revolutions, but it, in terms of human-machine communication, one was the graphical user interface, the introduction of graphical user interface, where instead of these green screens back then, the computers were uh, very intimidating um, and they were rare. Competition was expensive and companies that who were rich could afford them. And slowly we had mini computers uh, and mid-range computers. There were companies that brought the, uh, the more affordable computers to smaller companies. And actually the advent of graphical user interfaces that you had objects on the screen that looked graphical and they resembled the, the things that you touched in the physical world, like a file folder, a trash can, something you click on. And that required a transition of software engineering. All the old software, now, had to be rebuilt for this new mode of interface. A lot of companies that failed to do this, they went out of business. A lot of new companies that jumped on 
this bandwagon. A lot of young people, startups that saw this as an opportunity, they were able to hop on and take advantage of this shift and create systems that were less intimidating, more user-friendly, if you will, because it was familiar to the users. They had seen trash cans. They had seen file folders. There lies the problem. We're mimicking these physical entities, like physical forms and file folders, on this magical machine, the computer, where an engineer can create fantasy worlds in here. We don't have to replicate gravity in here, but we kind of ignored that because it was a natural process of progression. Fast forward, we get to the internet times. All of a sudden, uh, in the 90s, all these systems were still form-based. There was basically the same physical form stuck on the screen and they take structured data. By structured means very accurate, like age, 57, size, 22, name, Jones. But that's not how humans communicate. This is how they communicate. Humans communicate with natural language and we carry a lot of intricate information through mm -hmm. this natural language. And that, the advent of the internet and the cloud also created another opportunity for software to be rebuilt again and re-engineered for this new machine, the internet. That was another transition. But so far, those two transitions didn't affect the original model of take the paper, stick it on the screen, structure data. This is how email found its way into the corporations because it replaced the paper memo. So now we thought email is a panacea. It is the greatest thing since sliced bread. After a few months, we started <laughs> pulling our hair out. What was, the hell did we do? I <laughs> was going to say, yeah, email is the real Pandora's box, isn't it? Yes, yes, <laughs> Pandora's box. But there are actually, there's not, see, I wrote a paper on this. That <laughs> my first paper was about examining these communication models and why they don't scale. Why do they not scale? And I won't get into those details. I mean, the number one, a very quick example with email is because humans are the pivot. Humans have to decide how to route information. Now, as the size of the organization grows, you, you can't keep track of this big, what we call routing tables in your head. Every individual, two, three people is okay, but hundreds of people, it's a mess. This is how we kind of found our uh, quote unquote Facebooks in our corporations. And by that, I mean the slacks of the world, the yammers of the world, if people mm -hmm. use that, because that, actually that solved a little bit of the problem of, 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 of uh, uh, email, but still really not, it created its own problems. I was going to say, now I have Teams and email and that's right. That's right. Okay. And so Smartsheet. And there you go. <laughs> there you go. So now, look, you've got, you're the CEO of this big company. You guys do amazing stuff. And all your employees got information in their emails, in Smartsheets, in Slack channels, in silos, and plus those systems you bought from IBM or Salesforce that are communicating structured information. You got information scattered all over the place. Okay. Everybody knows this stuff needs to merge, come together, okay? All right, here's my question. I'm an engineer. Show me the path on how to merge them together, and I'll challenge anyone, including the CEO of uh, uh, OpenAI, Sam uh, Alden. They're, they're all how are you going to merge this stuff together, okay? So that's been the problem that I've been preoccupied with for a number of years. Now, as it turns out, there's a solution for that. And this is what we invented and we call intelligent objects and object messaging model. Basically, in a very high level way, 
I can explain it to you in this way without getting into the nitty gritty. Biology, you should copy biology. Your brain does not have a little file folder in the corner in the back, keeping information about one of the cells in your liver. The information about the cells in your liver is contained within the cell of your liver. Your, the cells of our livers or of our kidneys, they're self-contained, they're intelligent machines, they know their functions, they interact with their uh, neighbors in a very intelligent way, and uh, they know their operations. They contain all the information about themselves, nowhere else. And the cells combine together and make another super component or an organ called the liver. And the liver knows about itself. It's connected to the rest of the system through your arteries, your veins, your also nervous system. You've got other super organs, the kidneys, the brain. And actually, the brain is the central machine that coordinates all this stuff. Basically, object messaging and the intelligent object mimics that kind of model in a computer. And you can take any system any system and redesign it with that kind of approach. Uh, this is a very high level description. And why do you need this? And what does this do? And what has it got to do with AI? Okay, well, if I, as a software engineer, come to your place, in the old days, I would come and you would be the manager and I'd, I'd say, okay, well, show me your paper stuff and what is your process flow and who all does what? And I'd create a workflow diagram and I'd take those forms and stick them on the computer and pour your data in a database. That's what we got today. today I'll come in there and I start analyzing, I do a semantic analysis. Like what are the objects? What are the virtual objects? What are the real objects? What's their relationship with each other in your own entire process? Uh, how do they interact? Do they combine together and create a super component? Or if you guys are making radios, so, okay, so you put a bunch of transistors together and you make an amplifier and the amplifier goes into this box and something else goes and then you end up with a radio on an assembly line or on a virtual assembly line, which is what we call workflow. That's an abstraction, really. We all work with assembly lines. That's how we were able to have thousands of people organized in a beehive, but we dance to the tempo of that assembly line. And we need information systems that are in sync with those assembly lines. In fact, we all need to be tied and make those objects that are moving on those assembly lines the pivot of communication, the cornerstone of connecting people together. Because we are there together to make something. I'm there, yes, I know Allison, but we're there because you know I cut the wood and you nail it together to make a chair, right? So it's the chair that's the pivot of our communication. It's that piece of wood or the object. That's one side. Now, if you actually start designing your system with these components, you gotta give them self-awareness and intelligence. And the way you do that is you stick a large language model inside them. And every object is now capable of reading all kinds of information, listening to any information, watching any video, and understanding it about itself. So if you're designing a system and you're saying, for example, you're an object, you're an X-ray. So I'm making a medical record system. And that object X-ray is self-aware. It knows I am an X-ray of a chest. And I belong to a patient named Susan. And my doctor is Mr. Jones, Dr. Jones. And the engineer who took me was so-and-so. And by the way, 
if you're going to talk about me, I can connect whoever you need together. Also, you want to talk to a nurse about the, about me. So here it is. I create a call between doctor and nurse, and I sit there and listen, and I actually watch the video. This video that we're uh, recording right now, that object could be sitting there and creating the communication and listening and watching, and at the end, it stores the video itself. You don't need to follow it anywhere. It knows, and not only it stores it, it records it, it listens to it, it understands it. So next time that x-ray six months later shows up in, in your inbox as a message, because now objects are messages, not messages. The object itself shows up. Here I am, Dr. Allison, well, I don't know who you are. You don't remember? You, you talked to me about Dr. Smith yourself. Remember he was saying something about cancer? Would you like to, here's the five seconds of your conversations. Replay, right? Is my memory. I'm actually accessing my memory, and I actually have access to the entire video file. You don't need to file it anywhere. I contain all the information about me because I have a large language model. And I can read everything and understand. And by the way, you guys talked about tennis match. I ignored that because it didn't relate to me. <laughs> okay, so I, imagine. No, I just I'm going to say I love this concept of um, you know objects or the data being self-aware, um, and and yeah it, it's fascinating well it's just yeah because because it matches biology because that's mm -hmm. how cosmos solved this problem now these objects they understand the relationship between each other the x-ray knows look there's my sister who's a uh, blood test actually every element in that blood test could be an object your ldl that ldl so i'm an ldl would you like to know my history how, how i looked uh, last month or before would you like to see me against the hdl together in a graph i can show you that Right? Or actually even I could process to give it to the higher level AI and let it process because it, it, it understands the relationship between the and the detect patterns against my weight or my BMI or my blood count. Uh, so you can see that the collection of these small objects come together and they smart objects and they make super objects that are also intelligent. And then overall, then you have a full blown system that's super intelligent and they're interconnected. This is the new approach, uh, a, a complete different way of developing software in the age of AI. Now, when you do it like that, you're treating AI as a platform. And we call this a deep integration of AI with software, which means that the minute you touch that software, that you open it up, the second you log in, AI is there. It knows what you're doing. It knows what it is, every component that you're interacting with. It also knows its stakeholders. It knows that's my doctor, that's my patient. If some critical event occurs to me, I know this event relates to these four people. I'm going to show up in front of them in their inboxes, in the appropriate inboxes. And that's the job of the software engineer. Like, so, oh, well, this is bad news. I'm going to go to that uh, stakeholders bad news box so i can indicate that this is bad you got to look at it for some reason and i can you can query me at any time it was like and i can tell you whatever question you have and actually i carry my message and i'll tell you why i'm here this is the latest thing the event that occurred to me because i was supposed to be in that workflow in that station for three hours it's been three hours and five minutes and this i've expired i show up here to say hey i'm too late now see the workflow the tempo is happening so do something so i'm informing you that that didn't happen so these objects, they know how to navigate uh, workflows. It changes the whole model altogether. The, all the engineers, software engineers understand that. It changes the concept of, of control flow. So what we've done, we've taken this concept and we built a project management system that I always wanted as an engineer CEO. Because I would have projects 
uh, releases going out and I get calls from my customers that they're upset with me because we didn't give them those features. I call meetings, get everybody from every department, 20 people in the room, what happened to this? Well, so-and-so is pointing fingers and I didn't know, he didn't know. And I realized, okay, okay. So this is basically, the problem is humans are not reliable to exchange information in the correct way at the right time. We need to relieve this job to the computer. Mr. Say that one again, because I'm going to like put a gold star in that one. Humans are not reliable to convey okay. information in the right we way. Are. Time. If you think if you think of an organization of a couple of hundred people and we're connected together through these uh, electronic nervous systems and we as agents, we generate information, we consume information. But actually, the information that's generated and consumed, it's somehow tied to that workflow, to that virtual assembly line, because we're producing products or services. And they're coming together at different different stations, and it's critical. Parts come together at the right time. They have a tempo. That information exchange requires, even if I know that I got to send this information to Allison, if I sit on it 15 minutes too long, I've given it to you, I've created a whole mess. Because this machine now is out of whack, it's out of timing, right? The synchronicity, the timing of message exchanges is just as critical as finding the right people. When you think of this as a, as a super organism, as a, a corporation, and realize that you have information now in silos of emails and slacks and yammers and teams, and if you think about it, just break everything to objects, and let the objects handle any information that's relevant to them, whether it's a spreadsheet or a video or an audio or a link on the internet. And in fact, that, that object itself can be instructed to say, look, whenever you need the x-ray, whenever you need critical information, here's like Mayo Clinic's authorized area. They have some AI engine that have trained about chest x-rays. Go bounce against it and, and show yourself to that machine and get some results and bring it back and, and, and share it with us. It's amazing what you can do with this model. So now what we've done is essentially we've created a project management for software companies and technology companies. And if you make technology, you should try this because it'll give you a flavor of the, 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 the world to come. And in fact, it will kind of uh, introduce you and get you acclimated to how look at software, whatever software you're work, working on, you need to stop and rethink your process and think of integrating AI deeply into what you do. But object messaging model is the pathway that shows how elegantly you put all this stuff together. So I want to, so, I, I got to pause there because it's so much. And I hope our listeners were, have really been able to take it in. And I, I think this, this concept of intelligent objects, you've explained so well for us. I, I want to come back to Ziba Technologies. And as I said to our, our listeners, we're catching you at an exciting time. So you've you've got all this knowledge, all this wisdom, all this experience, because as we've said, you have founded other companies, you have an expertise um, in, in healthcare and, and medical um, companies. So this particular company that you're talking about, um, you've already gone through your beta phase, you are in your pre-launch phase. Um, Give us a little bit more practicality of of where and what types of, of companies or businesses you are presenting and taking this technology to to start with. Well, we've got a model essentially that we've got a bunch of patents on this technology, but we've got a model where we are holding webinars. People can go on our website, uh, www.xeba.com. 
tech, T-E-C-H. Mm-hmm. And uh, just sign on uh, with an email and they can participate in our uh, uh, bi- uh, weekly webinars that talks about the details and the approach. Uh, so I'm actually giving away free licenses because we want people to build these products. Um, and um, that's one way. And also uh, they can try our software for free, which is really a project management tool that they, they uh, can deploy the entire company and they could put everybody on there. It actually gives a view to the executives, the real-time view of the status of all the projects. Real-time. This is unheard of. Real-time view of... I'm going to tell you, it is. It's exhausting being... being, being a, a you know sitting in that that ceo kind of seat it, it's it is impossible and and as you said that the information is so distributed across so many channels and across so many software platforms um and it is it's a difficult thing so i applaud well i'm a, I'm a tech ceo on. And in my previous company, if I want to know the status of the, uh, the, the projects, I'd call the, the head of the product and I'd have him in there. And he would say, sure, he would take a few days, you know, he would go, and we were pretty good. And after a week, he'd come to me and then give me something that uh, by the time he gave it to me and I wasn't even sure of the accuracy of it. And it was always really just, we were always catching up. And, you know, we were in a huge yeah. company. We were about, you know, 250 people. But imagine this with larger companies. So I, as an engineer... As a CEO, as a entrepreneur, with this model, built exactly what I wanted. And, and I had done the job of a support. I'd gone on sales calls. I'd done marketing. I'd done all the different stuff. So I really appreciated the need and the value of all these members of the company because there, there lies your knowledge. You're talking about collective intelligence. When you connect these people together, in a very optimal way and report to them in a tiny manner the information that is critical to them, you've created collective intelligence, maximum collective intelligence, because you optimize communication amongst all your human nodes. And that's what we are good for humans. We have expertise. I want to sell. I want to support. I want to solve somebody's problem. I want to train somebody. I don't want to sit there and file folders and organize data and put it there and report and take notes in a meeting. That's what I've got a computer for. Why do I have to put things in file folders or figure out where I left that document and the answer that question? The era of that dream is today. And the pathway to that is, and see, that's the, that's the excitement. And I want to give you a credit for this, uh, Allison. I'm, I'm going to steal that line. Uh, the, there's a, you got a, one little podcast and it's, it's wonderful. It's, it is so inspiring. And I can't tell you how inspiring that is. About uh, you say this thing about you engineer, you entrepreneur, you whatever. You've got this golden ball. <laughs> yeah. And you got to take it out to the world. You know, and that's what it is. That's what it is. That's exactly what it is. You hit it so well. And it's almost like a curse. Like, you know, people ask me like, Masood, you know, you've done enough. You've built companies. You, you know, you can retire. I don't know. I just got to, I got to put this out. This is so good. This is too good. This is, it's almost like a, you, it's a responsibility in a sense. Right? And I'm excited. You know, it's a very exciting discovery or invention. And, and uh, as a software engineer, as, a, as an, you know, I've got a background in electrical engineering and I've got background so- and, 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 and computer science. And I'm an entrepreneur, so I've you know I've seen it, and I'm interested in organizations and people and how what we do, why why we do the things we do. So I'm a curious person, and I can see it all come together in a beautiful way. 
and finally relieve people from doing the drudgery stuff and being the experts that they're supposed to be. And, and with this model, in fact, if an x-ray is sitting there and listening to you and me, and you're the expert and I'm the internal medicine, and I'm, and I'm saying something, the, ex the, the AI can say, well, I'm not sure, Dr. Masood, you know, well, maybe you should look at that. And, and it can also learn from us. So we now have three intelligent agents sitting there discussing this. This is a collaboration with AI. This is what we call deep integration, or actually uh, my colleague actually says we should call it AI fusion, because essentially you're fusing AI into everything that, that, that's happening inside the software. Yeah, Masad, I'm I'm I want AI. I always joke and I say, if you've listened to another podcast, as simple as like even my GPS, I want my GPS to compliment me. I want it to be like, <laughs> hey, yeah, you slid to the right, the right way. Or, and I think the same thing when, especially, all of us sitting, uh, you know, working remote. I'm very much a people person. I like to be around people. Be, working from home full time is misery for me. So I do go to the city of Chicago. I do go be around other people whenever I can. Um, and and so for me, I think the beauty of what you're talking about, I can I can see it on lots of different levels. I mean, there's an efficiency level, an accountability level, but just I'm going to say you know nudges, and um, and and making people really be able to spend their time on what they do well. I, I think there's just so many applications. And oh, you, hit, you hit it on the nail, you hit it on the nail. And I give, you, I give your audience another example so they can really relate to this. And especially if they're CEOs or head of sales, they could relate to this one. Imagine, you know, I'm a salesperson and you're my boss. I just went out to lunch and I sold $10 million deal for you. I spent $500 on lunch. We're only two people and I come in and I go to my expense report structured uh, lunch, $500. Great, insert. I'm happy, I made sales, so 10 million. Two seconds later, I get an email from the head of accounting. Hey, you <laughs> went over by $350 per deal. So uh, naturally I'm upset. I forward this to my boss, Alice, and say, Alice, I just sold the company on $10 million. You're gonna, you're gonna do this to me? So I'm um, relax, it's okay, it's all right. You send the email to the head of accounting, say, hey, what are you doing? You're pissing my uh, sales best salesperson off. And it's like, oh, sorry, you sort it out. And then he sent an email to me. It's like, it's all done. And I actually get an email from the head of accounting. Sorry, okay, we're gonna let this go. Okay, now, this is the current world, right? All that information is in email, all this back and forth. And that structured data launch goes in there and knows nothing about it. Imagine that this new intelligent object and object message. That expense that I'm putting in, it's an intelligent line. It knows that I'm an expense because I define it. Oh, you're lunch. And also it's tied to the customer that I sold. And there's $500. And I insert it. Two seconds later, the object bounces back. Boom, the object comes in. And there's a message. I got a message for you. Well, what's your message? Oh, head of accounting says, uh, sorry, no go. Oh, really? I tell that object, not the head of accounting. I open up another channel. I tell the object, hey, and I tag Allison, Allison, would you look at this? And you're going about, it's like that object shows up in your box, boom, and you see it, whoa. The accounting dismissed it because it's, that information is carried by the object itself. It says, hey, accounting dismissed it, and Masood is saying, please take a look at this, I'm being cheated. And, and you can wait a minute, let me see this object. Is that true? Let me see what's, oh, it's tied to this client. Oh, well, let's see, that's the, oh, that's the same, oh, $10 million. Oh, there it is, it's all connected. And every one of those lines, they're intelligent objects. You could even query, 
the sale. What are you about? What are they buying? When is the con? So all these are objects connected connect together. But they say, well, don't worry about it, Masood. It, it's all, hey, right there in that channel, you're, you didn't mention the, the object and this should be approved. And the that object bounces because this is a critical event. You put a message in it, it goes back to the, uh, the accounting and they see it, they see the whole thing. And uh, in the meanwhile, the object is listening. It learned all that. Next time around, when the accountant wants to do something like that or another accountant, the object comes up and says, hey, I just looked at it. This sales looks like it at least $12 million. We approved this for Masood at 10. You know, it's like, maybe we should uh, update even our rules. Would you like for me to update our uh, rules and guidelines with that for you? So that's where we could be going today. We don't need magical stuff. Every piece of technology for that is available today. We just need to apply it the right way. Oh, fantastic. Hey, these are quick hit interviews and um, we've probably extended our, our time. So I, I need to close, but this okay. is so delightful. And I'd love to have you back as a guest again in, in the future and, and give us an update on, on where you've um, moved to and how the, how the company and the business and this new product is, is evolving and, and rolling out. But for today, if people want to learn more, do more, where should they go and what should they do? Go to our website uh, and just uh, sign with your email and then you're up for the uh, webinar and you're up for a free uh, trial of the product. And I think that's going to change the way you look at software from now on. Oh, thank you so much for, for bringing this insight to us. Hey, to our listeners, if Masood said something that you think somebody else needs to hear, pass along a copy of this episode um, and share his information so they can reach out and get in touch. Also, if there is a disruptive, innovative CEO that you think we need to speak to, please send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Hey, until we speak again, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Masood, thank you again for being such a wonderful guest. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Thank you for that uh, um, golden ball. <laughs> thank you. 49 faces looked to him in triumph. Over the last 12 months, they had each taken turns and promoted his business for a week at a time, driving over $987,342 in revenue. What if you had a network of 50 centers of influence who promoted your business every week for a year? Grab your copy of the number one Amazon best-selling book, The Ultimate Guide to Growing Your Business with a Podcast, at 33% off the Amazon price by going to ultimatepodcastbook.com. Again, that website for 33% off the Amazon price is ultimatepodcastbook.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.